Now, if you have your Bible with you, would you please turn with me to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1 for our reading. 1 Timothy chapter 1 for our reading. The Apostle Paul tells us in verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We know the Lord will bless that reading of his own precious and inspired word, but will you bear with me in a word of prayer? Eternal Father, we thank you again for such a goodly number you've brought out this evening to the drive-in church service. And we pray, Father, that you would encourage each and every person, each and every home, Father, and each and every heart. We ask you, God, that's represented in this place, we ask you that you would meet them at the point of their need. There may be one who has wandered away and went astray from you. We pray you draw them back to you. We pray you'd speak to them and draw them close to you, back to the cross. If there's one unsaved tonight, Lord, we pray that you would speak to their hearts and quicken them, make them alive under the sound of thine own word. And Lord, if there's some of your children have come in weak and discouraged, would you lift them up and bless them? Lord, would you strengthen them and help them? And Father, we give you glory tonight, Lord, for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of men and women for this place. Lord, for this ability to be able to preach your word to this people, we could say this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. So we ask you, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, that you, Lord, that you would speak and move in only the way you know how and only the way you can. And may Christ alone be lifted up and may he alone be exalted and glorified in this place. We pray for the Holy Spirit of God to brood and to fall upon every car and every one that's here, whether from near or from far, will you bless them and encourage them? So, Father, glorify your Son and help me to preach. Help me to bring your word to this people, to rightly divide it. And, Lord, give me the anointing and the unction that I need. For I need you, O God, in every way, throughout everything. And, Father, we ask it all in Jesus' precious and most worthy name. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy's probably here around 22 to maybe 25 or 26 years of age. 
The apostle writes his first epistle to Timothy. And he tells him of those who are ungodly, unsaved, who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. He writes in the chapter from verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. The apostle is telling young Timothy here that there are men and women who are self-righteous, that they think they can be saved without sovereign grace. They think they can enter God's heaven without bowing the knee to Christ, without knowing him as their own Lord and personal Savior. And so he's writing this epistle to young Timothy to tell him to stand fast, to hold on, and to keep preaching the glorious gospel that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. He says there are those who are righteous men that the law was not written for them. In other words, what he's saying to Timothy is this. There are those people who do not want to know the law of God to point them on to Christ, but rather there are men who will come to you and say, by my own good works, by my own alms and deeds and law-keeping, by my good personage, I'm a good citizen, or by my religious affiliation, what he is saying is, Timothy, there are people who will come to you and claim these things. They are not saved. They are not ready for heaven. They are not born again. They are not Christ's. But the law was written for those who would see themselves in the mirror of the word of God and see themselves as sinners in need of a savior and that Christ and Christ alone is he who can save their own precious souls. Is there a man like that tonight? Is there a woman like that tonight who thinks they're okay? They do not need to buy the knee to yield their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, who say in their own heart, I'm not bad, I'm a good person. I'm not bad, I go to my church, I have my denomination, I was sprinkled, christened or baptized as a baby and so surely I am in such and such a place with God. I want to tell you friend, if you ask me, what doth the scripture say about those who are saved? Which church saves you? Is it the Roman Catholic Church? The answer is absolutely not. Is it a Protestant denomination? The answer is absolutely not. Is it our church, Christ Encounters Tabernacle? I'll tell you it's absolutely not. For salvation is found in none other than the person of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and in Christ alone. There is none other. There is none else. There is no way but Christ and Christ alone. What he has done, what he has accomplished on Calvary's tree, when he cried, it is finished. It meant every part of it. Jesus says what he means and he means what he says. And when he cried, it is finished, he meant our law breaking and our debt of it. Our sin was paid in full by the shedding of his own precious blood on Calvary's tree. Friend, can I ask you tonight, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I didn't ask you what church you belong to. I didn't ask you what denomination you belong to. I didn't ask you what side of the religious divide you grew up in. I've asked you, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know him as your Lord? Have you bowed the knee and yielded the heart and cried and cried again for mercy in repentance at the foot of the old rugged cross? For friend, it is my duty tonight ere you leave this place and go home your own way. It is my duty tonight to tell you that without Christ you are lost. Without Christ you are on the broad road to destruction and without Christ you will end up in a lake of fire according and due to the authority of the word of God. Do you know him? Paul says, Timothy, there are those who will claim to be religious. He says to him, they are not saved, neither are they the children of God. In our reading, he looks at himself and he says in verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Notice here he says something. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. Enabled. The word enabled simply means, it comes from a word in dunamo. And it simply means to clothe someone with a garment. It means to clothe a person like you'd put a garment upon a man or a woman. And Paul says, Timothy, I thank the Lord Jesus Christ because he came to me when my works wouldn't do, when I couldn't come to where he was. He came to me. He endured me. He clothed me and he showed me my sin and my lostness and my estate, my depravity and my inability to save myself. And here he's saying, Timothy, it takes the help of God for a man and a woman to be able to see themselves before a holy God as a sinner. And it takes the help of God, the endowment of the Spirit for a man and a woman to be able to behold the Lord Jesus Christ as their sin bearer. And it takes the endowment of the Father, of the Holy Ghost, to waken a man, to quicken a woman, to regenerate them and to clothe them 
with his might and strength to be able to cry for mercy, to be able to come in repentance and ask for forgiveness of their sin. And he says, Timothy, the Lord endued me with this. He endued me with power. Friend, I can tell you tonight, if you're here and God has been dealing with you, the Spirit has been striving with you, the Lord has been speaking to you, maybe throughout the week or the weeks beforehand, or maybe even just right now this minute, and God then is enduing you, as it were. He is coming in the person of the Holy Ghost. And he is making you alive unto Christ and the things of the Spirit. And he gives you the eyes to see, the ability to behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he enables you to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. That conviction in your heart, thank God for it because it is God who has wrought it. It's the Spirit who has brought it. And I thank the Lord. I can say I've got it. That I have been saved by sovereign grace. And many in these cars have been also. We've seen ourselves without God. And without Christ. Without hope in the world. And we've seen the Lord Jesus Christ. With the anointing I salve of the Holy Spirit. And there we called upon the name of the Lord. To be saved. Paul says in verse 13. He gives a synopsis of himself. Who was before a blasphemer. A persecutor. And injurious. Notice he says. Timothy. All these people keep preaching the word to them. Because I was once like them. Paul grew up under the feet of a learned scholar. In the Jewish religion of the Pharisees called Gamaliel and when he grew up there he was a learned man and he learned many things there but here's what he did not learn and here's what Gamaliel could not teach him he could not open his eyes to the things of God concerning the son of God he couldn't open his eyes to behold that that which the prophets in the Old Testament scriptures had pointed to and he whom they had spoken of Gamaliel could not point the way to Christ and say to Paul or Saul as he was called then, young man, he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The learned Gamaliel could never show him it. It took a move of God. Friend, I couldn't tell you. All I can do is read from the scriptures and pray the Spirit of the Lord opens your eyes that you would behold the Lord Jesus Christ as your only means, manner, and method of your salvation. Don't leave here tonight. Don't drive home. Don't leave here without knowing Christ as your Savior and Christ as your Lord. He says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious. And even in his learning... Even in his education, even in his religion, listen to what he says in verse 13. But I obtained mercy because I did it 
ignorantly in unbelief. Paul, you're a learned man and you were an ignorant man, ignorant to the gospel, ignorant to sovereign grace. You were ignorant to Christ and his claims. You were ignorant to the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus because even in Acts chapter 7, the first recorded um, a man who died for the name of Christ, the first recorded martyr in the scriptures was Stephen. And we're told in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58, there was a young man called Saul, and they left his garments at his feet while they stoned Stephen to death. But Stephen in the midst of the stoning, Stephen looked to heaven and he beheld Christ. He beheld the Son of God. He beheld the Savior. Oh, what a way to face death. The hymn writer said and say, Should the death do lie cold on my brow, if ever I've loved thee, my Jesus, tis nigh. Stephen stoned to death. One old Puritan said these words. He said, all the stones and rocks that fell about Stephen's ears but did knock him closer to Christ, the cornerstone. These men done their worst. But this man, Stephen, was saved. And he beheld the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cried, Lord, into thy hands I'll commend my spirit. And he died. And his spirit went into the presence of the Lord. Where would you be if that was you? Where would you be if that was you? Friend, are you saved? Are you saved? Here, Stephen is being stoned and a young man saw his, they put their, their clothes at his feet. He becomes, the, as it were, their cloakroom attendant. And that's in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, Saul was consenting unto his death. Saul was Paul before the name changed. Consented unto the death of Christ. Now Paul, thinking back to times like this, Acts chapter 8, it says that he ended up, that he went out to seek after the people of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And what was he doing? He was bringing people off the broad road of destruction and into the narrow way, the way which is Christ Jesus. And this young man, Saul, he was fervent, fervent after the early church to, to persecute them. He said, it says he persecuted them. He was injurious unto them. He was wicked and he was cruel unto them. In Acts chapter 9, it says Saul still breathing out threatenings. Saul had a terrible case of spiritual halitosis. He had spiritual bad breath. Speaking words against Christ and his cross. 
speaking words against Christ and his claims, speaking against Christ, his crown, and his covenant. And he went to try and find as many of the early church that he could in order to put them into prison. Yeah, he dare say even unto death. Christ meets him in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. There the bright light shines, shines round about him from heaven. And the voice says unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Why persecutest thou me? The personal touch of Christ. Christ is a personal Savior. Christ is a personal Lord. Christ is a personal God. Why persecutest thou me, he says. Saul answers him with a cry. Who art thou, Lord? Curios is Lord. Who art thou, Curios? Master, supreme one, in all control. In other words, who art thou, Yahweh or Jehovah? Saul knew who he was crying to, but didn't know it was the Christ of God. And the voice comes back, I am Jesus, the risen, glorified, exalted Savior. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He says, I am Jesus. And this wonderful Damascus road conversion of Saul changes his name to Paul. There he turns to Timothy now, more older in age, looking back, and he sees these ungodly men, and he says, Timothy, Timothy, I was once like them, son. I ask you something, maybe you've been brought up going to church all your life. Maybe you've been brought up and religion has put you off. I don't blame you. A religious spirit puts me off too. And maybe you've had enough of it and you're sick to the back teeth of it. Because you heard it all your life. But I want to tell you friends, it's not about religion here. Paul realized his religion, his education could not save him. And maybe you're sick to the back teeth. You've went to every meeting under the sun and every Sunday school and every youth meeting and you've had it up to here. This isn't religion we're telling you about tonight. This is relationship. This is about the Christ of God. Personal relationship, personal salvation found in him alone. Oh, friend, religion. Religion can put you off, but will not save you. Maybe you've trusted in religion all your life and you realize I've been trusting religion and not in Christ. I've been trusting in religion and not in this Christ. I want to tell you here, the Apostle Paul was the same. The Apostle Paul was exactly the same. He was full of religion, but it done him no good. He was even fervent. 
he was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong when he was persecuting the church, uh, blaspheming Christ. And maybe you think there's no hope for me because I'm too far gone. Friend, I want to tell you, Paul took the early church and he put them in prison. And Paul took the early church and not only put them into prison, but he took them and he consented to their murder. And Jesus still found them on the road to Damascus. And Jesus moved upon him. And he was saved by the grace of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, there's four little words that are absolutely amazing. He writes, But I obtained mercy. But I obtained mercy. Friend, there's mercy tonight at the foot of the cross. There's mercy tonight under the blood. There's mercy tonight if you come and give your lives to Christ. But I obtained mercy twice. Twice in verse 16 he says it again. But I obtained mercy. Mercy came to me. He didn't say I gained mercy. If he said I gained, it would be his own work. <clears throat> it would be his work. He says I obtained mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when we do not get what we do deserve. When we do not get that which we do deserve. I deserve hell. Because of my sin, I deserve to be lost, bereft of Christ and God forever. I deserve the wrath of God. I deserve punishment. I deserve the lake of fire, the second death. I deserved it. Paul deserved it. Because we're all sinners, every one of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. I deserve those things. Paul deserved those things. We all deserve those things. But those of us who are in Christ, we can say, but I obtained mercy. I didn't get what I deserved. I'll never get what I deserved. Not because of my works or because I'm so wonderful or because I'm so brilliant or good, but because of who Christ is and what Christ has done for me. Friend, you can receive, you can obtain mercy tonight. Coming to a close in this short message, I want you to notice here, he says, but I obtain mercy. Is there someone here? And you know you need the mercy of God to be saved. You know you need the help of God. You know Acts 26. In verse 22 he says, Having obtained the help of God, I witnessed to both small and great. That means uh, the endowment, the help that we spoke of. You need help of God. Call upon him. 
You need the help of God. Then if you're receiving that conviction in your heart, that's the help of God for your salvation. You want to obtain mercy. You want to obtain help. Friends, you want to obtain an inheritance? Ephesians 1 and 11 says, Paul writes, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. I've obtained an inheritance, an inheritance of salvation, inheritance through grace, the love of Christ. I've obtained an inheritance it's reserved in heaven for me. And when he returns, I will also obtain a better resurrection, as it says in Hebrews 11. Obtaining a better resurrection. In other words, I'll go up at the first call, not at the second at the lake of fire. Revelation 20, read it, which is the second death. There may be some people here and you'll be born once, and you'll die twice. Born once and die twice, you'll die in this life. And you're not saved, and you'll die without Christ, and you'll die again at the second death, which is the lake of fire, Revelation 20. For all names are not written in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. So a man or a woman might be born once and die twice. But those of us who are saved... We have been born twice. Our physical, natural birth and our born-again experience in Christ. We've obtained an inheritance. We've obtained help. We've obtained mercy. We'll obtain a better resurrection. We'll die once if Christ hurries. Born twice. You may die once. Show Jesus sorry. Paul says, this is a faithful saying. I'm worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Timothy, men and women will come thinking they're too bad. They've went too far. But I'll tell you, Timothy, I was the chiefest of sinners. Christian, don't lose heart in praying for that loved one who hasn't come to faith yet. Christian, don't lose heart in praying for the son or the daughter or even the mother or the father or the grandparents have not come to faith yet. Don't be through praying, but rather pray through until you pray them into the kingdom. Don't lose heart and pray on that Christ will save them. Paul says, I was the chiefest of sinners. I think that of myself sometimes. That was me. Maybe there's another man might think that was me, or a woman. I want to tell you, friend, there's not one person here who comes to Christ whom he will cast away. For he that cometh unto me, he says, I will no wise cast out. There's people here who have been praying for years for their loved one. 
Oh, they're getting worse. They may be getting worse, but God is still on his throne. He is still the king of glory. I see people here who have been praying for a long time. And their loved ones still not come to Christ. Keep praying. And I see others here who have been praying and have had the privilege after years of backsliddenness, after years of walking away, and they've come to faith in Christ. I can see their faces. I can see them rejoicing. And they kept praying. And I had the privilege to point them to the Savior. But I obtained mercy. I've obtained mercy. I will not get that which I deserve. And that's why I finish. Ken, what will you get? Grace. You know what grace is? To receive that which we do not deserve, unmerited favor. To receive what we didn't deserve. So mercy is I didn't get what I did deserve. Have a hell and, and judgment and punishment and wrath. I didn't get it. Mercy found me. I obtained mercy. Grace is when we get that which we do not deserve. Forgiven. Didn't deserve to be forgiven. Forgiven. Washed. Cleansed, declared righteous before God our Father. Grace. And I'll enter heaven, his kingdom, by grace. I will get that which I do not deserve. Friend, isn't that a far better way of glory? than the words you hold out for here. The problems and the, the addictions and the struggles of this life, they cannot weigh in the balances to what Christ offers, nor the eternal weight of glory he gives. And it can be yours tonight. If you pray with all your heart, repent of who you are and your sins, and claim the blood of the Lamb. Claim the precious blood tonight, friend. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. We'll be about here. Come see us. Stay behind. Make it known. Listen, two people came last week all the way from Oma. One a Roman Catholic. One grew up a Protestant. And they both came crying their way to the cross. Weeping to the cross. May God bless you tonight. May he give you the help that you need to do these things for his glory and for his honor. Father, will you take your word tonight we know you're here, Holy Ghost. Will you take your word tonight and ride in that chariot most furiously to the hearts of men and women? 
Lord, would you knock down the walls? Would you pull down the gates and the barriers between you and them? Will you help them, endure them, and may they obtain that help, may they obtain that mercy, may they obtain an inheritance in Christ tonight, may they come to saving faith, bless your people, encourage them, and also bless them for coming tonight. Glorify your name and your son. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Listen, we will be about, please, if you're concerned to fear soul, stay behind it. <clears throat> Excuse my, my voice was breaking a little. Stay behind and talk to us. We'd love to point you to the Savior. It's not about our church. It's about your soul. It's about your soul. We're going to sing.